0: I want to start by telling you how excited I am to have this opportunity to share with you today. Uh, when Clint called several weeks ago and asked would I do this, or really it's been longer than that, I really didn't seek the Lord as to what to teach until about two and a half, three weeks ago. And I kept hearing this phrase, of the increase of his kingdom. And man, how appropriate, all the things that you talked about from Eric's welcome about Coming to God and running to Him, what we saw in the announcements about the food bank and all these other things, it just thrills my heart. And I want you to know you are an answer to prayer because for years, BJ and I have been praying that God would bring people together in this city and join them to Believer's Church, that you could accomplish that work that He has for you, not only in this area, but we're going to see outside of this area as well. So let me pray and we'll just jump into the word this morning. Father, I thank you that you've given me a word for these, your people that you love so dearly. And today I yield my heart to you and I just say my tongue is as the pen of a ready writer. And I'll speak only those things I hear from you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that Mel prayed that ears and eyes, spiritual ears and eyes, would be open to receive from you today, Holy Spirit. So we look to you as a teacher of the church. To make these words alive just as our Jesus is alive. And it's in that precious name. Everybody agreed and said amen Amen and amen. I want you to turn if you're using a physical Bible or if you're doing it on a phone to 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter. And we're going to read verses 2 through 4. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 4. It begins by saying, this is Paul in praying for these these folks. And he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Now, let me just stop. One of the things that the Lord has imprinted on me concerning Clint Mel and my other children and grandchildren is to, to really have that attitude of being thankful for him. Quite often I would say, oh, I'm so proud of him. And I'm proud of him if I'm truthful because he belongs to me. But notice Paul doesn't say how proud I am of you. He says, I'm thankful. And why is that important? Because giving thanks to the Father is one of the highest forms of praise we can use. And besides, pride is the nature of the enemy of your soul, the devil. So I don't want anything to do with it. But we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention for you in our prayers. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. Wow, when I see what all you guys ever done have done, I, th- I think about this work of faith, a labor of love and steadfast of hope. Now let me tell you, hope is not just wishing. Hope and Bible hope is joyful expectation. So what are you expecting today beyond what we've seen thus far? And it goes on and says that hope we have is in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God, our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. So he's saying, thank you, Father, for all that these people in Believer's Church have done. Now, the people in Thessalonica were under great persecution as well, so it's even more impressive. But I come to you to say thank you as a church body and to you individually, because I believe that's the Lord's heart for me to express this morning, for all that you guys have done for Him. Now, you know, I think back where you've come from. I looked back in some notes that I keep, some journaling that I do, and I actually taught here in June of 2011 on the 26th. And at that time, you were just, I think, I don't know how far you were with Project 216, but you were planning a yard sale here at the church to raise money for 216. And as I got up to teach that morning, the Lord put on my heart to say, there's coming a time when you'll not have to have a yard sale. You're gonna have people in this community, organizations in this community joining with you, and you're gonna have an ample supply to do all that he wants you to with Project 216. And isn't that exactly what's happened? And so I just want to encourage you with that, that those words years ago are coming to place today. We cannot be complacent. Now, 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, just a few verses later, Paul speaking to him says this. Now may the God, may our God and Father Himself, and our Lord Jesus, Jesus our Lord, direct our way to you. And listen to what he says here. And may the Lord cause. Now, that's important. It's not us making things happen. It's the Lord causing these things to happen. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love one for another and for all men, just as we also do for you. So isn't it interesting? He commends them, but he says, I'm expecting more. I've got more for you to do. And I think that's a word that he wants to encourage you with today. You know, the Lord causes this increase through you, and we can't do it unless we have that love for him, because how you love others is a direct indication of how you love the fathers. And what's the result going to be? you remember in John, I think it's uh, 13th chapter, maybe? By third, verses 34 and 35, when Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I've got for you, that I want you to love one another. So he's talking to his, his own as I'm talking to this church today. And he says, I want you to love each other just as I've loved you. And then he turns right around in the next verse, and he says, when you do that, others are going to see that you are truly my disciples. Now, why is that important? Because as they see you love one another, as they see you taking care of each other, increasing in this love, increasing in your faith for miracles to happen, as Mel was talking about today, praying for, then when we do that, others are going to come and be a part of it. I dare say that's why many of you are here today, because somebody has reached out and loved you in a way that drew you not just to the church, but drew you to the Lord and oftentimes without having to use a scripture you know I don't remember exactly who it was Saint Francis of Assisi or or one of the folks there saints in the past but he said everywhere you go preach Christ and if you have to use words and that's what I think the Lord wants to encourage us with today. Now we talked about increase. Let me remind you that in Isaiah the ninth chapter, I think it's the seventh verse, says of the increase and I've entitled this teaching today of the increase of his kingdom. The verse actually says of the increase of his government and his peace there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace there'll be no end. It's not just that his kingdom's never going to end. What does it say? it's going to continue to increase and increase and increase throughout eternity because these words are eternally true. And that's the encouragement I believe he's giving us today. Isaiah 54, the second verse. And this is a verse that I'm convinced is written to the church, us today, to people today. And I mainly say that because it comes right after the chapter of redemption in Isaiah 53. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Now, if you've heard this verse, you've probably heard it taught in terms of we're going to have church growth. But I want to do it from a little different perspective. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your pegs. Now, I really like the way it ends by it says, spread out that tent but lengthen the cords and strengthen the pegs. And what is that talking about? That's talking about making a firm foundation for that tent. I going to tell you, that's what it's talking about for us as individuals. We can never expect a church to grow until we as individuals continue to increase and increase in our knowledge of the Lord, in our love for the Lord. And let me go back and tell you, Who did he say would cause this increase? Not me, not you. He said he will do it. As you receive the word, as you worship him, you're going to see increase come over and over and over. And so I'm convinced that the Lord has a desire for believers to continue to increase. But what I want you to hear is you play a role in it. The church cannot do it. This collection of believers, this body of Christ here in Sylvania cannot grow until you as individuals do. Look at Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter, two verses, 18 and 19. The Lord has spoken to the people, and he says this, and the Lord has, this is through Moses' His voice, and the Lord has today declared to you, now, the children of Israel are given to us and all they went through as an example. We need to remember a couple of things. When we read the Old Testament, we need to remember that the Lord dealt with them in a physical manner because his spirit was not placed in them. And so we take that to understand some of the things that happened. But the other thing that I want you to remember is that they are a type of what we are today, the church. So when you see these promises in our new and better covenant, they apply directly to God. And man, this ought to bring a smile to your face. And the Lord has today declared you to be His people, a treasured possession as He promised you. Now, just let that sink in. He's declaring that each one of you, individually, as well as collectively, are a treasured possession by the Father, by the God of this universe. He continues by saying, and that you should keep all his commandments. Now, the difference in the Old Testament is they had to keep their commandments, those commandments to earn righteousness. But you've already been made righteous by the righteousness of Jesus. And so we're not doing it because we have to. We're being obedient because we love him. And that is a key, key change in between Old and New Testament. It continues and says, "In that he shall set you high above all nations that he's made for praise, fame, and honor. And that you shall be a consecrated or a people separated to him as he has spoken. Now, those words there... He's made us for praise, fame, and honor. May cause some consternation for us. He is not talking about doing these things just so we as individuals or we collectively as a church can have fame and praise. You're going to see that he's doing this through us, for us, but that it's important to him because his fame, his praise, His glory is going to be revealed through how He develops and matures and grows you and how you receive all of that goodness, all of that loving kindness that He wants to pour out to you. I want to affirm some of these things so that we're not just thinking that I'm making some things up or this is just a one-off. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is the chapter that lists all the blessings in about the first 14 verses. And then all the curses. Now, understand, Jesus has taken care of the payment of sin for all those curses. So they don't apply to us unless we choose to yield to them. But these first 14 verses are blessings that you should expect to come upon you individually and collectively as a church. Verse 10 says this, and this is out of the New Living Translation. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord. Now, it would be great if it just had a period there. But it continues on and says, And they shall stand in awe of you. Isn't that what exactly happened when the children of Israel got to Jericho? And Rahab, you remember her? She said, We heard about what your God did to Pharaoh. We heard how he delivered you across the sea and what he did to them when they tried to follow. Where have you been? We've been expecting you. They were made to be in awe. So that what? So that people would know the love, the power, the presence of God toward his people. It motivated Rahab so much that she said, now I'm going to do this for you, but you've got to be sure you're going to take me and my family. She wanted to become a part of them because of what she heard the Lord had done to them. Now, we've got to understand, this has nothing to do with you or I being special in and of ourselves as a person. In the book of Exodus, the 33rd chapter, starting about verse 13, And this is after the people have sinned and the Lord moved his presence. And this is important to note. He moved it from the center of the camp to outside the camp because of their sin. Why was it in the center to begin with? So he could be close to his people. What he desires to do. So Moses is talking about next step. And he said, how am I going to be sure that the favor you're going to show me, what are you going to do so that I know that you're showing favor toward us. And the Lord said, well, my presence is going with you. And from verse, the next verse, Moses is like saying, whoa, wait a minute. If your presence doesn't go, I ain't moving. Now, why is that important? Because of what the next verse says, verse 16. Moses then goes to the father and look at what he says. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in thy sight? And then there's this phrase, I and thy people. I don't want you to think that the favor is being shown to pastors only. They are a part of this body of Christ, just like each one of you are. They've just been put and called to a position of being an under-shepherd here for Jesus. But you are his flock. And you're all his people. So I want you to see that Moses did not in God, how are you just going to show me favor? And he didn't say all of my people either, did he? He said, I and your people. He continues on and says, is it not by going with us? So he's saying, is it not by your presence being with us? And listen to this phrase now. So that we... I and thy people, he's emphasizing that again, that it belongs to you and I as well, that I and thy people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of this earth. Now, we sang this morning and was talk of, Father, I thank you that you've come and taken up residence in us. Jesus dwells in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That presence is what makes you different than all people of the earth who don't know Jesus. And that says to me, if that's the distinguishing factor, then that's who we need to be looking for for leadership. And I think that was even mentioned earlier this morning. So we begin to see the picture then of how God wants us to be his people. Separated unto him so that he can do things in our lives. And saints... With the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and we'll reemphasize that in a moment again, there is nothing, there is no limitations that can be put upon you. Everything that you have need of, He will provide. When we moved to Macon from Johnson City, Tennessee, where we lived for 40 years, where we lived for 40 years, we moved in November of uh, 2013, so it's our 10th year back in Georgia. And that year, the Lord showed me this verse, and this became kind of the song or my mantle as, as we moved to Macon of what he wanted to declare. So it's a privilege and an honor, and I don't take it lightly for Clint to allow me to take this pulpit to say this to you. In the 13th chapter of Jeremiah, the Lord told the prophet to go buy a waistband. So you and I would say, go buy a belt. And he said, tie it to you tightly. So that you're going to see that that waistband really represents you and I. And although he says tie it to the prophet, he's saying this is symbolic of how you're tied and how tight you are to me. And then he tells him to go bury it by the river and leave it there. Time goes by and he comes back and says, now go dig it up. And when he digs it up, Scripture says these words, it is worthless. So what is he trying to convey to us? That that belt that symbolizes us being tight with the Lord, when we, weren't, when we aren't that way, he's not able to use us or do the things that he wants to through us so that others can see his goodness. And now with that then, listen to this verse, verse 11, that he declares over them. For as the waistband clings to the waist of a man, that belt, so I made the whole household of Israel and the whole household of Judah to cling to me. He, all he's talking about there with those two references is the southern and northern tribes. He's saying, I want my all of my people, all of my creation is the implication for us today for this to be applied to them. And then it says that they might be for me A people. Now, does that sound a little bit like what we saw in Deuteronomy? For renown. Now, what does the word renown mean? Well, I hate to use this example. Gosh, I hate to use it. But the University of Georgia football team is renowned (laughs) for something, that they've won some national championships, and with the recruiting class, they ought to be able to head toward it again. So it's they become known or famous for something, but that word renown, while it in the Hebrew while it means to be known or to be of renown, it also implies to have a name. So when we are a people of renown, we are a people of name. Whose name, as we worship this morning, have we been given? The Lord Jesus. So we're to be a people of renown or of a name. For praise and for glory. Again, not for mine individually, nor yours, not even for this church collectively, but so that people would see what the Lord is doing in and through his body here in Sylvania. And I'm just telling you, you're already spreading out nationally, and I think there's more impact that you're gonna have in Georgia. Now, what that is, I don't know. I'm told to come encourage you today clinton Mail's job is to hear how to do that, what to do with it. And then it ends up by saying, and I think these words are so sad, but they would not listen. Now, the word listen there, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the original languages of the Bible, in Hebrew, it's the word shema, which means to hear. But it doesn't just mean to hear. It also means to obey. You remember in, uh, was it the first chapter of Jeremiah or Isaiah when it says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land? That word obedient is the same word for hear. And so how sad a connotation of they would not hear. So the question I believe the Lord is asking us today is will we hear? And not only will we hear, but what is the New Testament? Don't be hearers only, but doers of the word that he gives us now why is this so important to the Lord I mean, we've seen over and over that he wants other people to stand in awe well in Isaiah 43 12 he gives us an answer and he also uses this phrase that I'm about to you to read to you two other times in this chapter and in 44 I'm reading this from the amplified version the Lord says I have declared the future And I have saved the nations in times of danger. And I have shown through them that I am God. When there was no strange God and alien God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. So we are the ones that are his witnesses. We are to be witnesses, not just go witnessing. We're to allow him to work in and through our lives as he blesses us to do the things that he wants to show himself strong so that others, again, will hear about him. Matthew 5. Let's go to some New Testament verses. Matthew 5, 14 starts out, and I'm just going to read the first line of this. It says, You're the light of the world. Verse 16 says, let your light shine before men. Now, we talked about light this morning in some of the songs we were singing. You are light. That light dwells where? In you. And we're to let it shine. Now, this is important because the only plan God has to declare himself to the other people in this earth is through his people. There is not a plan B. We are his plan A, and he's going to see that it is fulfilled. The only question is, will you and I be involved with it? And my prayer for you today is, you've done great. Continue to increase. Do, do what he's got planned for you. 1 Peter 2.9. And I want to look at some verses in the New Covenant, the New Testament, so that you can see how he views you and I today. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That means you are kings and priests in his kingdom. Not not just over any other people in the world, but in his kingdom, you are kings and priests. You've been made to be a holy nation. Now, don't you start saying, I'm not holy. In your spirit, you're as holy as can be because God chose to place his spirit there. What we do in our flesh and how we renew our minds so that my body acts like I'm holy, that's a different matter. That's part of working out our salvation. And then he says, you're a, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now, if you're reading King James, it probably says you're a peculiar people. And some of you would say, boy, that's me. Or more likely you would say, yeah, that's that person or that's that person. The words there in the language actually mean you are God's chosen people. A people of his own possession, just like we saw. And look what we are to do so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into that marvelous light, that light that dwells in you, that light that needs to shine through you, that light that empowers the Lord to work in and through you for others. Think about Jesus. He, he began his ministry after 30 years of preparation And then do you remember the Holy Spirit came upon him as in the form of a dove? It wasn't a dove, but it was in that form, and it rested on him. And then Jesus told his disciples, and it wasn't just the 11 or 12 with the replacement for Judas. I believe it was a larger group of disciples, those who had followed him. Because we know there there were 120 in the upper room, which he's talking about. And listen to what he told them in verse 8 of Acts 1. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, let me stop there. I believe that the 12 were born again when Jesus breathed upon them after he was resurrected and said, receive my spirit. So we're talking about a different thing here. We're talking, and I like to say it this way, the Holy Spirit is in me for my benefit, but he's upon me for your benefit. You see the difference in what I'm saying there? He, and, and I say that because look at the very next line. He says to them, After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem, meaning the area you dwell, and in all Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's who I believe God is calling you to be. And you're already doing it. Uh, I had the opportunity to go with several of the guys here in Honduras, what, five years ago or so? And I saw how we ministered to those people. I saw how, and I continue as we stay, talking to Clan ML about what you're doing with Children's Cup. What you're doing there in those Soto Grande, and I don't remember the other one. And I didn't say it right, I know, but you get my point. You're doing some of this, but of the increase of his government and peace, of his increase, there's no end. So I want to ask you, can you begin as individuals and collectively as a church, see yourself in this, these three verses I'm about to read. It's in Psalm 126. Psalm 126 is one of the Psalms that the Hebrew children read, and it's called a Psalm of Ascent. And there's a lot of theories about when it was read, but it was certainly read and sung as they would go down to Jerusalem for the three feasts a year that they had to. And it was also, by tradition, sung by the priest as they ascended during uh, Passover, I believe, the, the steps of the temple. Listen to these first three verses and ask yourself the question, can I see myself in this? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, We were like them that dream. Now to me that says, when the Lord has done things for him, it was like a dream. But I can see him also because of the way the next verse reads, beginning to praise and worship him because of what he had done. We need freedom from their captivity. And then the next phrase in it says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. In other words, joy was arising in them and our tongue was singing. There's that praise and worship. But this next phrase is the key one to me. Then said they amongst the heathen. So now it's not the Jewish people talking. It's what others are saying about them. And it says simply, the Lord has done great things for them. So again, do we see ourselves in that? Then they say, the Jewish people say again, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we're glad. So we see here the desire of the Lord for you to be seen, for the church of our Lord Jesus to be held in all. And is that possible today in you? I want to conclude with one more verse to show you how important it is. And it's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, sometime when you catch Emma, ask her to quote this verse to you. And you may have to start it. And she learned it in New American Standard. So it's, Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And you need to meditate that verse by changing it to say, now unto you, Lord, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that I ask or think. See it as working in you individually, and then you'll begin to see it corporately. He continues by saying, it's according to the power working in you now according to means in proportion but if that power is working in you this is something that you've got to allow people say all the time well if god wants it to happen it's just going to happen no does the lord want everybody to be saved yes is everybody no so people have a choice you have a choice into whether you will let his power through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, work or not. And then this last phrase, it says, unto him, unto him be glory. Where? In the church. That's us. God can be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus. He is glorified in us because Christ Jesus dwells in us and it's to all generations forever and ever. Of the increase of His kingdom, there shall be no end. Limitless are the possibilities that He can call you to and that He can perform for you. Be thankful for what He's done. Ask Him to show you how to increase so that this church can increase. Not just to be a bigger church, but to be an influence, a changing of the culture here in Sylvania, Georgia, in Scraven County. And why not let it begin so strong that it impacts all the way up to Macon? Limitless is what you can do when He calls you to do it. And you hear and obey. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand with me, if you would, and bow your head and close your eyes. We never leave without offering people a chance to realize that they are chosen, that they are special, that Jesus came just for you. If that's you this morning, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I'm just going to ask you to just repeat these words and why don't we all just do this together say Lord Jesus today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior today God I ask you to forgive me for just not getting it right but today God I follow you with all that I am in Jesus name and everybody said